0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is your Sunday Reset. Chicago and Chris Redd is a relatively new cast member on Saturday Night Live, but he's already behind a number of standout segments and characters.
1: The lady from Sally Mae says your student loan is past due. Rashad, what is I ain't got it because I died? You talking to a ghost. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you can't deal what's not there, okay? Just ask what's next. Hey, I'm telling y'all, trust me, spend your money, all right? IRS can't take it if it's already spent. Can't take something already gone. That's a tax loophole for your brother.
0: Chris Red got a start at Second City. That's the launching pad for stars like Bill Murray and Tina Fey and current cast members like A.D. Bryant. Red was back in town for an event with Chicago Hopes for Kids, a local nonprofit advocating and providing support for children living in homeless shelters. Now, Red wasn't technically born in Chicago, but he considers the city home.
1: I do. I was uh, born in St. Louis until I was about seven years old, and then I was forced uh, to move because I was a child. I did not have a say. And uh, we came to Chicago, and then um, we moved out to the suburbs right after that. And so I went to school in the suburbs and uh, came out to the city right after I graduated high school.
0: What was growing up around here like?
1: Growing up in in Naperville sucked. Uh, I mean, nice books, a little racism. But it was was fine. (laughs) I learned a lot how to deal with people I don't like. I loved the the culture of Chicago um even though it, it felt segregated at times especially mm-hmm. with the uh, talents and like how the different neighborhoods were set up when I got into comedy and even when I was doing music uh going to different parts of the city you, you were a, you were exposed to different types of people and mm-hmm. I feel like coming up here really prepared me to travel everywhere and, and tour and do comedy and be able to uh, uh, like adjust to to the energy of the room not even the material but Figure out how to relate to uh, people from all different types of backgrounds because we have that here. So. How do
0: you? I mean, how do you take that temperature in real time? Is it just listening, or, or I mean, what's at play?
1: Yeah, it's it's like uh, if you say like a joke on religion, you see how people laugh. You can tell a lot about how people laugh and how they just and in the air of the room. And then you and then you're like, okay, cool. And some people be like, oh, I would rather not tell that joke. For me, I would rather tell the joke to see what i can add or what i can uh what yeah what i can just dive deeper in to just get the laugh because everybody wants to laugh at things it's just about like some people don't feel like they're allowed to laugh at certain things and and then once you give them that that go ahead then they do it and then and that's what you're trying to do you're trying to reach the people that were meant for you so you're kind of editing
0: in real time, like in in real time. it's not like you have an act, and you just stick with that act.
1: Yeah, you're doing this in in real time. Yeah, it's like it's like you have to have you have to have jokes that you write, and like, you have to know if they'll work everywhere. And then you then I, I improvise too, so I love improv. Shout out to the improv community in Chicago; it's uh, one of the best in the world. So I love writing jokes on the spot, and that's a really good way to connect with people too, it, it, and really get to know them as an audience member. And then make jokes of that, which is like fun and it just it, it opens people up sometimes you got to open them up and then and then they're more willing to hear the things that that may be a little bit harder for them to hear at first
0: so before you were a comedian i understand
1: there was a time when you wanted to be a rapper a rapper drug dealer kingpin i wanted to be Scarface without the last scene <laughs> <laughs> he dies I know. spoiler alert
0: 80 years later <laughs> wait did you have a rap name
1: Oh, I had so many rap names. Uh, the one I ended off on was Chief, which is I, I, I still go by that. For, it was, it's a double meaning. Um, but um, wait,
0: you can't just like slide in there's a double meaning and it, walk it, away it, from it. that.
1: I could, I can. Come on, Chris, I mean, you're not gonna let me because this is the reset. Like, you, you are correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> What's the double meaning? Just run it uh, I was smoking weed and I also was the leader of the crew. So, Chief. Okay. But I, before that, I had a lot of terrible names. One of my first ones was Spitting Flames, because I was a huge fan of this rapper, Drag On. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was part of the Rough Riders. DMX was was the head of this crew. Uh, if you don't know who DMX is, he is a dog that became a human being. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and on would talk about uh fire alive like y'all oh, spit fire he had all these like fire metaphors uh-huh. which in in hip hop metaphor and simile are confused. It's really the simile that they're talking about but they call it a metaphor because somebody messed up and no one corrected it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway my name was spitting flames and I thought that was cool for a while and then and then I realized it wasn't. Do
0: you remember any of your any of rhymes?
1: Ooh, I I remember uh, my fr- one of my first rhymes. I started writing after I got my first album uh, on the low because my parents were like churchgoers and they did not like it. Wait, they
0: didn't know that you were
1: they didn't doing they, this. No, nah, well they did and they did not like it. My parents did not support this. Like now, nah, their line said they did. They don't. They did not support <laughs> me for a long time. Cause they, you know, they, they were southern parents. They came from nothing and made made something of themselves and, and moved out. And when I said hey, I I want to take the opportunity that y'all have given me to go rap, <laughs> and they were like, No, you lost, and so <laughs> and so they did not like that at all. And I was adamant about it, man. I was adamant about it. I remember my first rap was about Barney. Wait, um, Barney the dinosaur? Yeah, I was I was young. I was like a eleven. And I was and I was like, because we they, they my parents had us reading early, uh-huh. so like I I was writing I was writing right. Now it was kid rhymes, it was just like I I I was it was like a battle rap against Barney because he told me to clean up and I, like I ain't ready, and so <laughs> it was just, that was like my first one of my first rhymes. And then uh, wait,
0: do you remember it though? Do you remember?
1: I the... I don't oh. uh, I don't I did at one point. There's one there's one interview I did like a long time ago. Where uh, I like vividly remember the lines. When you were doing that, did you imagine Barney responding, or was it just a one way? R- it was rap battle. In my in my child mind, it was like Barney was doing his thing with the other kids, like clean up everybody, and I just came through the door like Kool Aid man, like Nah, fam. How about how about Nah? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what I'm hearing is that even as a young child, you had a very active inner life.
1: I had a, yeah, I, my imagination is crazy. Like, it's, it, it, my imagination was very much like half real world, half cartoon. Uh-huh. I, think, I feel like that's how it's always been. I've always been a very animated person. And uh, I just, and once I got into comedy, I channeled it correctly. So
0: how did that transition happen for you?
1: Failure. I failed at being a rapper and then i and i had tried so hard for years imagine just like this is all you know all you want to do has a tunnel vision about it and then i was like 22 and i just like i'm still broke and i have made little to no money doing this and i don't know how long i can keep doing this and and just feel this bad about it even though i was good i was i was i was good at rapping i just mm-hmm. didn't really know myself because i was trying to like block out being funny being funny was always there comedy was always a part of me it's just I didn't see it as a viable way to go. But there have been, I
0: mean, that's interesting to hear you say that because there have been rappers who, a lot of them, who infuse humor into...
1: Their rap. So was, what was it yeah. that made you want to separate that out? Because I was already living in the suburbs, and I was trying to run with my with my cousins and my homies in the streets, so I had to commute to the hood, which is not gangster. So I had a lot of things playing against my gangster already. So if I was, like, funny, <laughs> then it's like, oh, that's another reason why I ain't gangster. He smiles a lot. So I was like, yo, let me take this. So I try to take this comedy out of this rap when I really needed to be doing the exact opposite. Mm. So I was kind of lost for a little bit. And then I saw a commercial for Second City and I had never really heard of it before. I saw that and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I could go like try some improv and maybe like do some stand up. And I was already like hosting different things uh because my counselors would be like yo you're funny because i would skip i would skip class and they would tell me to go to class and i would end up being in there for 25 minutes just cracking jokes and they were like you just can you, look if you're not gonna go to class can you at least host a variety show mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i host and i and then that's when i started cracking jokes and it started feeling good And i was like maybe i should just do this and so then i did i took my first class um uh, when i was 23 i think 22 or 23 and and uh, and then I did I met some comics and we went out did some open mics and and it, and that was you know now we here. Take us back to your first stand up gig, like the one you really hold in your mind. It's been like the first time you were on stage in front of a mic. Oh, it was good. It was like the it, like the first one was it was this um, I think it was called Seven Twenty Lounge or Seven Twenty Lanes or some. Uh, it was like a bar that was also like a bowling alley too. Mm-hmm. And they had a dope open mic that everybody did. And I went there for like four weeks before even going up because I was just so cripplingly nervous. Cripplingly? I told you I went to school one year. Uh, (laughs) We'll go with it. Uh, I I was nervous, man. And uh, I had a lot of anxiety, which I found out I have. Therapy. Whoop, whoop. Uh, So I went to this...
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, I just I want to go. I want to hear this story. But yeah. this is something that I that I am observing about you. Yeah, is that you just you just slide these little things in yeah. in from the side.
1: Yeah, they're called tags. Uh, comedic tags. I'm just tagging. I'm just I'm just keeping it keeping it light. My therapist says that's deflecting from being vulnerable, but whatever.
0: <laughs> so, so you're <laughs> at seven ten lanes. I think this is in Hyde Park. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So I finally go up and I have this set that I wrote word for word and and i did well mm-hmm. i got i got some laughs and that was probably the worst thing that could happen because then i was like oh yeah i'm about to crush comedy and then for like eight, 2 years I, I just bombed every single set <laughs> just constant bombing just painful bombing and it you know but still going back i was addicted to it I, I, after that first even after those bombs i just I just felt good because every now and then you would get a laugh and it'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm in the right, I'm in the right direction. Then I remember when I first started like getting my little five minutes of material together that was like really good. I was like, I got too cocky, rap. I had leveled with my ego, but uh, comedy taught me how to be vulnerable with myself and how to and how to accept my flaws and everything. Mm. But I still had a little issue with the ego. So as soon as I got my little five minutes together, I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm about to go compete in this comedy competition. And it's very funny because I'm doing a show on Sunday, uh, and Lil Rel's on the show, and Lil Rel was actually on this panel for this. He was one of the judges. Yes, he was one of these judges of this comedy competition I thought I was ready for. And I remember going up there, and I wrote my set, and I was I bought this new shirt, but I couldn't afford it, so I cut the tag on it because if it wasn't if I didn't win the money, I was going to take it back. And I remember that's going to be my first joke. And I went out there and I and I said, "Yo, I'm I'm Chris Red, man, and I'm I know I'm gonna win this because if I don't, I kept the tag on my shirt and I'm gonna take it back right after this." And then somebody was like, "Take that sh- back!" <laughs> and that's <laughs> how it started. And I had like six more minutes to go. <laughs> It was the slowest six minutes of my life. I think a civilization was built. I'm getting anxious about it now. Like I'm not good at comedy, <laughs> like it, like it wasn't years ago. That's how much it affected me. But it was like it's something I needed. I think it was Chappelle who said that. Like every comic needs that one bomb that mm-hmm. literally changes how you view the art form in general. How, how did it change that for you? It hurt so bad that I was like nothing could be this worse. Because not only did I bomb hard. But I had I had invited everyone in my life to this show. So like old pastors, new pastors, aunties, my parents, old friends, people who knew me from the rap life, and they were like, Why do you you should just stick to rap. It was the worst. <laughs> you should just stick to rapping, man. Uh you should yo, I don't know why you trying to switch it up. You know. Everybody was just very, very terrified. And my parents were already like, didn't want me to rap. And then they were were, were like comedy. Now my dad, he was kind of on board with the comedy thing, but my mom's like, another dream? We just get a regular job. (laughs) Like I'm tired of this.
0: I mean, what's interesting is that you you chose these paths that were are very front facing, very reliant on people responding to you. Yeah. But at the same time, you said, but I deal with anxiety yeah how does that work together?
1: I forced myself to get over it because i I throw myself in situations because i didn't want i didn't want just succumb to that feeling even when I didn't know how to identify what that feeling was I was just like i I, I was a promoter and i was, i was i mean nothing would made me more anxious than being in a club trying to have conversation with people when everything's going on and I can't focus you know what i mean and but I just did it anyway and I was like let me just get good at the things that scare me and so I've always been good at just diving in. I mean, I wanted to run with gangsters, and I dove into that head first, Like, let me just do this, and it's and that's always kind of been a part of my nature. I feel like you can't just you can't be scared to try. It. You can't be scared to to put your all into it. Otherwise, you won't see the outcome you're looking for. So that's one thing I've always been able to do. I'll be in moments where, I, so I've been over time and over these jobs, I've trained myself. How to survive in a in a situation as long as I can. Like I can be in a club and have I, it's not crippling like it was before, but there I do have a limit where I'm just like, okay, can we just vibe to the music and not talk now? <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is a lot. Everybody's close. Okay, I'm out, I'm out. You know, but I, I I have trained myself how to do like like going to a job or like waiting tables. Waiting tables really help too. I'm really good at small talk. Like I can do it almost autopilot. Hmm. I, and my friends will point it out. Like my friends will be like, Hey dog, you ain't even wanna be in that conversation. Like, I know, man, but But it's just like a skill you've mastered at yeah, this point. Exactly. Hmm. So it just it's a way almost a way of protecting myself to, from getting deep with people I don't want to get deep with. Unlike you, who I'm I'm getting real deep. I mean, I you got to learn about my, my Barney. I ain't brought that up in a long time. <laughs> Look, you about to have me tell the secrets. I don't want to end this in tears. Okay?
0: No, I'll I'm try I'll try not to make it cry. <laughs> Well, you you have now thrown yourself into this other pressure cooker of an environment 100%. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, you became a feature player in 2017. This season you got promoted to full cast member. Never mind the, the audition experience. Yeah. But when you first step on that stage as a cast member of SNL, what is that like? I mean, walking the same boards as, as
1: Eddie Murphy and some of the greats. You're nervous. You don't know how it's going to turn out, especially like that first year. We don't know what's gonna happen because there are so many people. I mean, even from the from the audition, there's so many people who don't get the show that are talented, but like, it doesn't work out for them. Or that first year, you find out that it's not gonna click for you, or for whatever reason, it doesn't click, talented or not. So you just don't know where you're gonna fit into things. And then like after like having conversations with people, I'm really big on like having conversations with people who've been there longer than me and. And really getting insight and in, uh, the words of wisdom. And some of the most important things I had learned was that all the people that you loved in that show do not try to chase the track that they ran because yours is going to be different. Mm-hmm. It, and no matter what what the show looks like, no matter what how talented you are, it's always going to look different. To be inspired by Eddie Murphy is dope. To want to be Eddie Murphy is an insane thought process to have. Mm-hmm. That's the type of things that kind of helps you keep grounded. But it's also I feel grateful. Every time I walked in that hallway, I'm like, man, I get to do this in the same building as this other person did this. But that first year is a whole lot of you walking out and and taking the order and and walking off scene. And that's it. And, And I came from a show where I was like one of the stars of the show and I had lines. And then, I, and then my first year, I came in there and I was like, hey, water's cool, huh? Real wet. <laughs> and then that's like it. <laughs> and, then, and then the rest of it, then you're sitting there for two hours like, I'm on Saturday Night Live. No one knows, but I am on here. Well, one of my
0: favorite SNL skits is called That's the Game. And you play oh, my, my. a clueless drug dealer, Quan, who yeah. tried, I, I, he tries to overcross his partner because he wants to become the boss. He has no idea what he's doing. Let's take a quick listen.
1: If I was still the king, I'd put a bullet in your damn head. Yeah, 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 yeah. but then after that, who's the guy you would sell the drugs to and what's his number and what's a good time to call him? For real. I just asked you who would you call? How much would you charge? How would you sell it? What's this number? And where you get those little plastic packets you put the drugs in.
0: That was <laughs> it was so specific. Yeah. I mean it was so specific. And the thing I loved about it is that I think everybody has had that moment of being in over their head. Yeah. It's like you you want to reach for the for the far thing you want to reach for that goal mm-hmm. and then you get in there you're like oh wait a second
1: yeah it's like so what everybody thinks they like i want i want to be that i want to be this person i want to be i want to be the head i want to be the top dog first of all i love playing characters that are confidently dumb um <laughs> i love that so much it's um you know surprising i don't like the president <laughs> oh bang that's the game huh uh, I, and also, like I, 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 you know, I sold my share of drugs, but I wasn't great at it. Otherwise, I'd still be doing it. So I had those moments in my mind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get into these streets. But like, uh, uh, how y'all measure the weed, though? You know? So
0: you were channeling.
1: Uh, some... like I wasn't as yeah. Of course, like it's like all those characters come from something. Now, who wrote that uh, with me? Is Streeter, uh, Sadell, and Mikey Day. and the they brilliant. We've collabed on a bunch of different joints. Like uh, this another one, Mister H, which is about that kid who like is choosing between the streets and education, mm-hmm. and the white savior m- moment of like you like you need to come back to school, and but he's like yeah, what you gonna say? I'm a genius, but he's like really just a mediocre. Kid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Brave teacher comes down to the hood to save his gifted student from the streets, right? well next? I'm gonna hear Marcus, you got potential. You do, right? 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 And next is like Marcus, you smart, right? You are smart. And it's like Marcus, you a genius. <laughs> like Marcus, you a genius. <laughs> and it's just like playing with all those. Like I grew up watching those movies, and you know, so I, I always love. To be able to pull from that culture and like and do something that honors that other uh, things I love the most about uh like the black movies i I was raised around so
0: so so you s- spend time as a rapper yeah. as a comedian, you've done improv. what set of skills do you think you're really honing or developing during your time on s n l?
1: uh writing character work um impressions i didn't really do impressions i'm not an impressionist people like hit me on twitter like it's it, I, like i care like this is not a perfect impression i have never claimed to be that when i find an impression i can do i'm surprised with everybody else like <laughs> 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 like, I, like, I was surprised. I was like, oh, this is kind of, hey, pretty good. All right, cool. Uh, I got a good T.I. I didn't know I could do that until, like, I was, we were just, when you, you're sitting there and you're thinking of things to do and somebody comes in and is like, hey, can you, can you do a T.I.? I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? You find it, like, oh, okay, I, I do got the register. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But for characters, I, I've always loved doing characters. I've always loved imitating people in my life i love like the richard priors and, and and eddie's like eddie's a i mean perfect impressionist but also like the off characters too like i, I just like characters that, that are organically made from either your mind or somebody you know and, and and like i love that way more than impersonating like a like a political figure whatever it is so before i let you go
0: i have to ask we had a rapper rhapsody on a little while ago yeah oh she's brilliant she's brilliant and she said her parents were also reluctant about her being in music and she said they thought she made it like the moment when they said okay you've made it was when she appeared on a magazine
1: has that happened for you and your parents man listen i moved to la and everybody thought i was rich and i'm (laughs) like that is not how society works (laughs) i was living on a couch in a house with roaches but they thought just because it was L.A. You know, when they, when I started making money, uh, just any kind of money, because uh, I was just broke for a long time. I was broke to my 30s. So, <laughs> like, when I started making money, they were like, oh, okay, you started to make it. But SNL is when, like, majority of my family is like, oh, he made it. He, he He's made it. And Do from, you feel
0: like you've made it at this point?
1: I feel like I have a great momentum going and I'm building towards I'm building towards some other goals making it to me is like if you're living off your your passions then you're living a good life making it I think is just a term that people say but you never stop working I'm, there's never a point where I'm like ah I've made. like if you climb a mountain once you're at the top of the mountain you've made it to the top this is an ongoing mountain this is a mountain that keeps getting bigger and this just all depends on where you want to like what you want to achieve and your goals so for me I'm just getting started.
0: Well, we can't wait to see what you do. That's comedian Chris Redd with Saturday Night Live. Chris, it's been a real pleasure.
1: It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
0: And that's a wrap for your Sunday Reset. Do you know someone who loves conversations about Chicago and the people who make the city great? Well, tell them to sign up for the Reset podcast. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend. And let's talk again soon.